And welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is The Mandalorian Season 2 begins! I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda Lorian! Hey! And the wild, yet elusive Jekka! Hi, folks! That's right, folks! Mandalorian Season 2 is the baby Yoda show! Obviously, we're going to be talking that a little bit later, but we're also going to be talking Sean... Connery passing away at the age of 90. John Boyega doesn't want to reprise his Star Wars character Finn anytime soon. Uh, Netflix has shown off a few new images from The Witcher Season 2 and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to know that with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say. Plus 10 nerd XP to you. We love you guys. Thanks so much. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. But in the meantime, Jekka, what's nerdy with you? Um, so I finished Dune reading. And I really liked it. Yeah? I liked it a lot. That was, I'm like, I can't believe it took me so long to read it. And I'm kind of mad at myself. <laughs> As you should be. As you should be. And, and why, are, why are you mad at yourself? Like, I, I just, like, because I kept, like, Amanda kept saying it. And then my friend who kept pushing me to read Dune, um, all of you guys kept saying, like, it's a not only just a great storyline, but, like, the world building is really cool, too. And, like, it was. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, this was so cool. The characters were, like, had so much depth to them and i'm sorry i just freaking love the fact that the free men are not afraid of the sandworms and they actually use the sandworms to travel around i was like that is so <laughs> freaking cool so i'm planning on at some point this week i want to watch the like 1980 Ooh. i'm gonna watch that but yeah, I'm still even more bummed and upset that the Dune movie was postponed last year or next year. Yeah, last year. yeah, last year. <laughs> yeah. The the new Dune movie was supposed to be coming out in like a month from now. Yeah, yeah. And now yeah. it's pushed to sometime in 2021. I don't remember off the top of my head. That October. is October. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. October 2021. Crumble, crumble, hiss. Yeah, I already like re- requested the second Dune book from the library. Oh, so, yeah. I, I am going to read that, but first I'm going to read Bob's Book Club book. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Be, I will read that. Don't know how far I'll get, but I will read that. Yeah. Yeah. Quick book. reminder to everybody uh, on, uh, I think it's November 16th, we're going to be reading a book that Bob, the rambunctious Bob, who's been absent because of, you know, school and homework and, you know, adulting things. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Bob has recommended a book called The Shadow of What Was Lost, a really cool fantasy uh, novel written by John Islington. John Islington. Uh, so we invite you, listener, to read that book uh, and uh, 
you know, be prepared to, you know, nerd out with us on November 16th when we talk about it for a little bit. So, but Amanda, what's nerdy with you? So I've been following along with um, rumors about the X-Men animated series. And there's rumors that they're going to bring it back. And so I just wanted to nerd out for a moment on how awesome the animated series was and how much I hope they can bring back exactly how they had. They they made a second X-Men animated series, but it was just so awful. Yeah, Wolverine and the X-Men. So so what oh, And so then there was the teeny bopper one where there was X-Men in high school and that was awful. So so we oh, want to nerd out specifically, Amanda, on the uh, the nineties X-Men. Correct? Yes. Yeah. The, yes, that is because they just released the trailer on Disney Plus for it. Yeah, Disney. You can watch uh, the original '90s X-Men on Disney Plus, uh, and do you, you know the backstory behind that that trailer, right? No, I don't. Okay, well, I made it sound way more interesting than it is. It's it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's they, they just uh, you know tried to make a really serious trailer, so it's kind of like a unofficial official trailer to get people to watch X-Men on Disney Plus. Which you have to kind of wonder, like, why would Disney Plus? release a brand new trailer for a 90s animated tv show like you know there's they've got to be like measuring some sort of interest like how many people are going to look at the trailer how many people go and watch it on uh on disney plus because if they get the numbers they'll bring it back i mean they're bringing back willow and all sorts of stuff on disney plus so maybe well i'm really hoping they bring it back um i i will admit that part of my disappointment with the X-Men movies was how great the animated <laughs> series was. Yeah. And when you compare, like, Rogue is my favorite character. And when I compare Rogue from the animated series to the Rogue in the X-Men movies, I'm just like, it's so awful. See, and then, <laughs> sorry, go on, Amanda. I was- I, I, it was such a disappointment to me. I mean, I remember enjoying the X-Men films, but they just, they don't compare to the animated series because the animated series was so good. Yeah, I agree with you there, Amanda. My biggest disappointment with the movies was that Jubilee was kind of like a name thrown out there. Uh-huh. And- I like Jubilee is my favorite. I don't know why. I don't remember why. I just know that growing up and watching X Men, Jubilee was my favorite X Men, and I was so excited for the movie when they were making the movies, and I was just bummed that she's just kind of like this. Like they throw out her name in the second one, like yeah. they're like Jubilee, and I'm like, oh, there she is, and I'm like, and she's gone. Yeah, and you go cameo. And I was very upset about that because she was like my favorite one. <laughs> and she so, did a lot. Jubilee was perfect as the introductory character to the animated series. I felt it was really well done with Jubilee. But they kind of tried to make Rogue the introductory character for the movies. And they like, she hadn't gotten um, Carol Danvers yet. And so she didn't have the Carol Danvers powers, and they tried to bring her into the X-Men too soon. She's supposed to be a villain first, which is how she got the powers. All right. Okay, Austin is (laughs) totally losing interest in this, and I'm, like, just warming up. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm right there with you. I'll have to find this trailer and watch it, and then 
kind of start binge watching the good old classic animated series because it has been a very long time since I have watched my good old X-Men. And it's so good. So, so good. I do remember that. It's so good. I do agree with you on that. <laughs> There's a reason why I loved X-Men so much, and that was it. <laughs> Gosson's about to yawn again. <laughs> I'm telling you, this, this daylight savings time is kicking my butt. Yeah, it's not that he's not interested in what we're talking about at all, really. Hey, I love X-Men. There's a reason why it's our opening theme song. So, anyway. And they totally should have used that music in the movie. Oh, my word, yes. Such a lost opportunity. Boom, boom. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, let's talk some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Ooh. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, some sad news. Because legendary actor Sean Connery has passed away at the age of 90 years old. Mm. And, you know, it's funny. What's funny about that is everybody has a Sean Connery uh, impersonation. I'm going to try my impression. Legendary actor Sean Connery has passed away at the age of 90 years old. Okay, you're done. All right. Okay. <laughs> See, I have too much respect for him to even try to attempt his <laughs> to impersonate him. Well, all I know is my favorite Sean Connery impersonation is on Jeopardy. Oh, Jeopardy. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yes, indeed. Celebrity Jeopardy. Anyways, his death was confirmed by his family, and according to the BBC, the actor died in his sleep while in the Bahamas. It's believed that he has been unwell for some time, uh, though it's not confirmed, but according to a few news outlets, he may have possibly been suffering from dementia, but like I said, that's not confirmed. Uh, Sean Connery has been in a number of films to include The Hunt for Red October, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade, and his last acting role was in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that came out in 2003. But, but, who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? We all know him as the world's greatest spy, James Bond. And, you know, the world was introduced to Sean Connery in this scene, way back in 1963. Oh, yeah, that's right. James Bond. Right there. In a statement, James Bond producers Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli said, Connery was and shall always be remembered as the original James Bond, whose entrance into cinema history began when he announced those unforgettable words, the names Bond, James Bond. He revolutionized the world with his gritty, witty, portrayal of the sexy and charismatic secret agent. He is undoubtedly largely responsible for the success of the film series and spy genre, and we shall be forever grateful to him. Uh, only four other actors 
who played James Bond are still alive today. George Lazenby, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. Uh, and they've all had something to say about the passing of Sir Sean Connery. Starting with current James Bond, Daniel Craig. Quote, the wit and charm he portrayed on screen could be measured in megawatts. He helped create the modern blockbuster. He will continue to influence actors and filmmakers alike for years to come. My thoughts are with his family and loved ones. Wherever he is, I hope there is a golf course. Mr. Lazenby, who played James Bond in On Her Majesty's Secret Service and was the first actor to replace Sean Connery, said, quote, I met Sean a couple times, and I was pleased he'd given my Bond film on Her Majesty's Secret Service his seal of approval. But to me, the most important thing was his work went far beyond Bond, into charity, into family, into politics, and into golf. A man after my own heart, a great actor, a great man, and, and underappreciated artist has left us. Uh, Timothy Dalton, whose first James Bond movie was The Living Daylight, succinctly said in a statement, Sean was a wonderful presence, a great leading man, end quote. And lastly, former Bond, Pierce Brosnan, wrote on Instagram, quote, Sir Sean Connery, you were my greatest James Bond as a boy, and as a man who became James Bond himself, you cast a long shadow of cinematic splendor that will live on forever. You led the way for all of us who followed in your iconic footsteps. Sean Connery, age 90 years old. Oh. Kind of crazy. I, you know, because I, I was just thinking about Sean Connery like a couple of weeks ago. Like, I, like, I'm wondering what he's doing. Like, is he, are we ever going to see him in a movie again? I mean, I think that's something that I think many of us have said over and over again. Are we going to see him in a movie again? I knew that The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was his retirement film. That He had said that that was his last film. Yeah, but actors say that all the time. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny because, like, the first time, like, in a way that I met Sean Connery film-wise was actually Dragonheart. Oh, yes. With the voice of Draco. And... Like, it just stood out to me that any time, like, I saw his name and anything else, I was like, oh, this will be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the Highlander movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. So well, on The Rock, like, he was <clears throat> yeah. that one. Yeah, he was. You know, Jekka, when you when you started out that sentence saying, I, uh, when I met Sean Connery, I was just about to jump out of my seat and freak out. <laughs> Oh, I wish I had met him. Like I just didn't know how to phrase it. I was like, because that's how I felt. I felt like, like through that's the how... film, I was like meeting the kind of person. Yeah. Like, you just feel that from him. But oh, trust me, I'm so sorry to get your hopes. Oh up. no, 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 no. Oh, that would be something that like, because I'm not a big person to like. Oh, I want to meet celebrities, but man, if I had actually met Sir Sean Connery, I would never yeah. stop talking about that. I never. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when, when we think of blockbusters, uh, you know, we think of, you know, Star Wars, Marvel movies, the Avenger movies, you know, we think, you know, maybe Avatar. Uh, but back in the 60s, uh, when when the James Bond movies started coming out, those like those were the, the highest grossing films of all time. <laughs> um, and uh you know, it just, you know, 
Sean Connery's James Bond films really did introduce blockbusters uh, way back then, and and now we'll just have to uh, you know live on with his uh, distinguished accent. <laughs> you know. uh, and people trying to do impersonations of him. You know, you know, actually, I got to admit, one of the very first things I did when, when I heard that he passed away was um, I, I went back and I rewatched that Dr. No scene that we just heard. You know, the name is Bond, James Bond. And then immediately after that, I went and watched the uh, Sean Connery uh, Celebrity Jeopardy on uh, SNL YouTube skits. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's really, not not a fan of the ladies, are you, Trebek? <laughs> you, you know. Oh. We'll miss him. Yeah, indeed, indeed. All right, moving on. Reluctantly. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's upcoming martial art film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, has finished production. That's right, Marvel Studios has been hard at work pushing the productions of their upcoming movies forward despite COVID-19. And director uh, director Destin Daniel Creedence, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is done. It's completed production. And Shang-Chi first appeared in uh, Special Marvel Edition number 15 in December 1973 and is described as a spy romantic uh, philosopher and one of the best martial artists in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, um, its lead star, Samu Liu, who is the, uh, what's that um, TV show that we've been watching on Netflix? With um, the, Kim's uh, Convenience. Kim's Convenience Store. So he is the lost son that works at the like Enterprise mm-hmm. Rent-A-Car place. Oh, I so, like him. Yeah, so he is the uh, the main star, and he took to Twitter uh, to officially announce that the film has completed sh- shooting. Uh, Lou went on to celebrate the film's production wrap by expressing how excited he is for everyone to be able to see this movie. He says, quote, That's a wrap on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Nine months from now, We will break records and make history as the first superhero movie to feature an all-Asian cast. That kicks so much butt, it's not even funny. Well, that's a lie. Actually, it's it's quite funny, too. Uh, For all of us who have been hated for the color of our skin or been made to feel less than because of it, no more. This is our movie, and it will be impossible for Hollywood to ignore us after this. So this film is set to debut July 9th, 2021. Okay. I just, I have to point out, um, he's talking about it, so it will be impossible for Hollywood to ignore that. Hollywood has been ignoring the Asian community for an extremely long time. Yeah, I am heavily, heavily invested in my Asian dramas. <laughs> Yes, they are. I can. I can. Uh, they that. are so much better. The quality of storylines that I get to watch because I, they, they storylines cover the gambit of really crummy storylines to really great storylines, and so many of the storylines they create, the artistry that goes into it, has been better than so much American television. 
so much. I don't know how Hollywood has ignored them so far. Sure. So, um, it's, it's also kind of how, um, okay, I'm totally going to mess up the name of the Korean band that's super popular because I always I mix up no where idea. the initials go. Um, and B- BTS? I don't know. Or it's BST? I'm not sure. I, I can't help you here. I don't. BTS, behind the scenes, BST, Battlestar Galactica. That's a G, honey. That's a G. Anyway, so they've been super popular. And it actually, anyway, so I just, I don't know how they've been ignored till now. Well, what, what do you think of a, like, super heavy martial arts oriented film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We haven't really had that. I mean, the closest we've had so far was uh, Netflix Iron Fist. I am um, really hoping this is better than Iron Fist. But, I yeah, I mean, a martial that. art film. Uh, Iron Fist was pretty good, but it, it, it felt like it was missing something. So I really hope that they bring that. And by the sound of um, Simu Liu, hopefully... That happens. Yeah, when when he said like all Asian cast, my first thought actually went to Crazy Rich Asians, which is a drama, like a mm-hmm. dramedy, you know. I'm not a big fan of like chick flick movies, but that is one that after I watched it, I was like, this was so good. And yes, I'm like, I wholly support this film. I think it's great. I mean, I am biased because I have a sister-in-law who's Japanese and she's the best and I love her to death. <laughs> and I lived in Japan for a year and a half, so I love that culture to death. So but well, I'm happy to flaunt my bias. <laughs> and right, yeah, they on. do know when they put stories. They do. Yeah. All right, moving on. John Boyega says Disney pushed his character to the side and is in no hurry to reprise his role as Finn. Again, that's right. Star Wars actor John Boyega has been critical of Disney for the treatment of his character in the franchise, particularly in comparison to his white co-stars, who he says were given all the nuances. And during an interview for an upcoming episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket, John Boyega confirmed that he has been having honest conversations with Disney executives after going public with his complaints that his Finn character in the last three films of the Skywalker saga was pushed aside, even after the studio portrayed him and his character as much more important than he actually ended up being. He also said that the studio needs to take a stand and be an advocate for actors when they face backlash for their casting, especially when it involves revolves around race. Uh, when one of your actors, especially an actor that's so prominent in the story, is announced as part of your franchise, and then it has a big racial backlash and receives abuse online, and that starts to form a shadow on what is supposed to be an amazing gift, it is important for the studio to definitely lend their voice, lend their support to that, and to have a sense of solidarity, not just in the public eye, but on the ground and on set, Boyega uh, said. Um, He also said that he is in no hurry to reprise his role as Finn again. Quote, at this moment, uh, versatility 
is like the biggest thing for me right now. There are so many people I would really like to explore uh, different roles, different characters. This is what I do. I enjoy what I do. So to stay in one place could be something hard, end quote. So, you know, I got I got I think I agree with him. Like, I mean, Finn was um, so big in The Force Awakens and his character just slowly kind of drifted into nothingness to the point where in Rise of Skywalker, all he did was just follow Rey around and said, Rey! You know, over and over again, Rey! Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I really liked his character in Force Awakens and I was like excited to see where they would go with it. And then he like turned into... Like I, ugh, it's like the closest where I can get a sidekick, but even a sidekick does more than what he did, and I felt like that was a big disservice to his character, because I really liked his story, how he was like, you know, raised as a storm, like he was taken away and pretty much like conditioned to be a stormtrooper, and then he breaks free of that, and I was like, there was so much that could have been done with that. Finn so was a casualty. Of Lucasfilm's failure to plan. Yes, that's yes. that's 100% on the nose. And, and so much of his complaints, like, he's, it's really starting to show that he's, I mean, maybe he should just get on the bandwagon with us. Can we just get a redo? <laughs> Can we redo the last three movies? Well, I mean, okay, in, in The Force Awakens, it seemed like both Ray and Finn maybe he had some uh, some chance of becoming like Jedi Padawans. Oh, Ray more yeah. so, but Finn seemed to be, you know, a little force sensitive with all of his ability, you know, abilities to, to fight somebody in lightsaber combat, uh, you know, when he was fighting uh, uh, Kylo Ren, even though he got his, you know, butt kicked. But, um, but I mean, they... They just, yeah, they just, they, they set, set him up and then they just kind of let him fall over with, you know, nothing, nothing. <laughs> the one well, thing, and I even thought like he and Ray were going to like, you know, couple up kind of thing. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. Sorry. And then it like, yeah. And then he just like, it like, they just let it, they didn't even do anything with it. I was like, wait, what, what just happened? They have, they have a super tight friendship. And now it's like disappeared, yeah. like it's practically non-existent, and it like made no sense to me. You know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta admit something. This is this is something I've been wanting. Uh, I haven't forgotten. I just, you know, didn't have the right time to bring it up. I, I thought maybe that we would do like a, uh, uh, you know, a review of all the s- sequel trilogies as a main event. So I've been kind of saving for that. But I'm just gonna say it here. You know, uh, I have. Um, I have a really hard time watching the sequel trilogy now. Like I have no, I have little to no interest of watching the sequel trilogy, especially even rise of Skywalker and uh, the last Jedi. Um, just because I, because, because all I can think of is just how, um, how much planning was missed for this trilogy. You know, I think Dave Filoni kind of said it best. Um, I'm going to do this just off memory, but he said something involving Baby Yoda, basically saying like Star Wars fans are willing to take creative risks with you so long as they know and they can feel that it was planned out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. yes. 
No. So, so <laughs> when it came, hell. <laughs> so, so that that's that's just kind of me throwing it off memory. And so, so when it comes to like Finn in the in the in the sequel trilogy, like I just, I I, I just cannot fully jump into it. And I'm having a hard time going back and watching it. What, what was hard for me, um, and I totally see where John Boyega is coming from, I really enjoyed Finn in The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. He was so good in that. He and then they made, him, they, they made his character all weird, and then he just kind of petered out. Yeah. And it just, it, it really was so disappointing. Yeah. And I can't even imagine how John Boyega must have felt with his disappointment on that. Um, I do recognize what he was talking about with the studio should support the actors better. But one of the things I really like is what Disney has been doing with Ahmed Best. Yeah. And I, I really feel that they are supporting actors that have gotten back online backlash yeah. because they didn't... Nobody knew how to support Ahmed Best when he caught so much backlash for Jar Jar Binks because I it, it had never happened before to that extreme extent. I think. <laughs> well, it's because the internet hadn't really existed. <laughs> yeah. It was like the, it was the perfect storm. So, anyways, so let, hopefully they learn from that. Let's move on because we got a lot more to talk about. The MCU may have found their star for the upcoming Moon Knight Disney Plus TV series. Variety is reporting that Oscar Isaac, a.k.a. Poe Dameron, since we were just talking Star Wars, Variety is reporting that Oscar Isaacs is in talk to star in the upcoming Disney Plus series. If the deal is completed, this would make Isaac one of, one of several actors who has appeared in both Fox's X-Men Cinematic Universe and the MCU. And Isaac previously, if you remember, he played Apocalypse in 2016's X-Men Apocalypse. So Marvel first announced the Moon Knight series at D23 in August 2019. And in November 2019, we learned that the Umbrella Academy's uh, Jeremy Slater will serve as the showrunner on the Marvel adaption. And Marvel's Kevin Feige previously indicated that Moon Knight and fellow Disney Plus series She-Hulk and Miss Marvel would all wrap up production by the end of 2020, though the COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> probably threw that uh, monkey wrench and all that. But if you're unfamiliar with the character Moon Knight, he's often described as Marvel's answer to Batman. Uh, but while he's a wealthy playboy who uses his resources to fight crime, Mark Spector is unique in that he struggles with disassociative identity disorder and his dysfunctional connection to the Egyptian god uh, Konsu. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> this is just getting weirder. Once upon a time, were, I used to know how to say it, but I don't remember. But it's the Egyptian yeah. moon god. Yeah, yeah. So, so Isaac's character basically is struggling to maintain his grip on sanity <laughs> while serving the Egyptian god. Uh, and uh, I don't know. This could be interesting. I, I just yeah. love his name. Like the names these superheroes have that allude to what they do. Mark Spector. Spector. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I all didn't right. know that guy existed, but <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Moving on, we're going to wrap, yeah. wrap these up quick. Netflix 
has teased a few new images from The Witcher Season 2. That's right. Uh, Netflix provided a Halloween treat. A new monster montage video set to the Monster Mash uh, music video, no less. But anyways, it appears to give a brief glimpse at some of the uh, horrors Henry Cavill's Geraldo Rivera uh, will have to face off against in the upcoming second season. In short, uh, this short video which you can find on Netflix Twitter account. Uh, we get a recap of some of the monsters that were featured in The Witcher's first season. However, around the 15-second and the 31-second mark, we get our first look at some new shots from season two. One of the scenes shows, I guess, some monster with what looks like a bunch of, like I don't know, spider legs or something, and there happens to be someone's eyeball, <laughs> you know, just sitting on the legs or something. I don't know. But the, uh, the other scene shows three pretty ominous-looking skeletons. Uh, anyways, let's take a listen to the video, uh, because it's kind of funny, because it, it is set to the uh, Monster Mash thing. So here we go. Let's take a listen. Oh, aren't you just the cutest, most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my entire life? I run away, Carol! It's one of your friends again. I was working in the lab. I'll take one word. My eyes beheld in eerie sight. Oh, my monster from the slab began to rise. And suddenly... Oh, fuck. He did the magic. He did the monster. The monster magic. It was a graveyard smash. He did the magic. It caught on in a flash. He did the magic. You're a dick. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm just picturing it in my head, and I'm really excited to go watch it now. <laughs> I like so the, the Witcher, monster matchup. <laughs> yeah. So the Witcher's second season is set to premiere in 2021, uh, but who knows with you know COVID nineteen. It better. So we'll be. I ancient. don't want any more delays. I'm done with delays. Yeah, yeah so am I. So am I. All right, check it out. This is this is hilarious. So, little nerd news in the real world: uh, an off-duty state trooper dressed as a stormtrooper from Star Wars pulled over a drunk driver on Halloween. So, an off-duty Nevada state trooper was driving home from a Halloween party dressed up as a stormtrooper when she saw a vehicle driving the wrong way down a street. Uh, and concerned for the public safety, she did her job and pulled over the car while dressed as a Star Wars stormtrooper. Uh, and thankfully, there's dash cam footage of the event <laughs> uh, released by the NHP Southern Command's Twitter page. Uh, so, so you want to go to the NHP Southern Command's Twitter page uh, because the department created their own version of the classic <laughs> Star Wars opening scroll and then showed the exchange between the trooper and the drunk driver. Unfortunately, there's no audio from the video uh, because, oh because it's, it's dash cam footage. You just see the you know her going up to the car while dressed as a stormtrooper. So, so otherwise, if there was audio, we would be playing it right now for you guys. <laughs> uh, but it's still quite a, it's quite the sight to see. So if you want to watch the video, 
go to at NHP Southern Com, C O M M. Again, that's at NHP Southern Com, C O M M, on their Twitter to see the video for yourself. Because, uh, I mean, how often do you see a, uh, a stormtrooper pulling over, you know, a car for drunk driving? Okay, if that were to ever happen, especially as this is a female officer, I mean, the response, the correct response in seeing them would be, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? No, no, the correct, the correct, if, if the dude is repaired, as soon as he sees her and he rolls down the window, he, he needed to say, this is not the car you're looking for. <laughs> yes, that is the more appropriate, yeah, that's the response. This yeah. is not the car you're looking for. <laughs> she goes up to the, the car, but she's not wearing the helmet, which I'm like, okay, yeah, probably like safety thing, you know, you letting them see your face, that you're a person. But man, it would have been funny if she had kept the Stormtrooper helmet on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <it would've. laughs> the helmet on and then took it off. I mean, I don't know, but yeah. She was probably driving with it off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't drive in those things. I should know. I've got some downstairs. Yeah. But when you get out of the car, you put it on to go up. Oh, such a missed opportunity. Yeah, oh, yeah. That is like so awesome. Kudos to her. Kudos to her and making Halloween an awesome night. Yeah. All right, I want to talk some Mandalorian season two. So let's hit that main event. Our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park? Look at me, it is time for our main event! The Mandalorian Season 2! That's right. Hey, folks, before we jump into it, I just got to say special shout out to all you super nerds who have subscribed to the podcast. We really, really appreciate you. Please help us get the word out and tell a friend about the podcast. I also want to invite you, if you haven't done so already, to hit that podcast subscribe button. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. It is the way. (laughs) It is the way. You know, this this is the song we're listening to is obviously the beginning of uh, the Mandalorian, but the, it seems a little off to me. Like, like, listen to it. I don't. It, does it seem off to anybody else? Because I think we should be listening to this. You ready? You know what this is. Is it Terminator? No, 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 no. This is the Boba Fett theme in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. This is the Boba Fett theme! Oh, spoilers! Oh, yeah, spoilers. (laughs) We have to do five minutes, five or ten minutes of no spoilers so that we can get our listeners excited to go watch it and then we can talk I think think we already screwed ourselves over. You, you did it. (laughs) at me to do that so now i'm yelling at you <laughs> all right well okay if we're gonna do a little non-spoilery for a few minutes what did you guys think of 
chapter nine is, I guess, technically what it's called, not episode one of season two. Chapter nine of The Mandalorian. So I loved how they're hinting at things to come, but I'm still kind of going, but it didn't go as far as I wanted it to. Okay. Um... It was a great reintroduction to the characters and kind of setting the story moving. <sighs> that that opening theme, or the opening theme, the opening scene, the whole like little thing, it kind of, it reminded me very much of like 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 a Batman uh, moment. <laughs> it did. It had a lot of Batman overtones to it. Yeah, yeah, and I. Uh... And I will oh. say, like, for me, I think of all the episodes of The Mandalorian that have been released so far, this was the first one where it felt like a Western sci-fi film. Mm. Um, like, everyone keep, like, everyone keeps saying, like, oh, The Mandalorian's kind of supposed to be, like, Western-esque kind of thing. And I didn't really feel that until this episode. This episode felt Western. Okay. Like it, it reminded it. Like I mean, to me, when someone says Western sci-fi, I think Firefly, and this yeah. episode had that element to it. Like, so I was like, okay, now I feel like this is what everyone keeps describing the show about—that it's like a Western one kind of thing. Sure, sure. And, and then I was watching it through the eyes of Dune, <laughs> so I was oh, there, like, yeah, isn't that something? And being like, they're losing so much moisture. Like, I mean, <laughs> here's, here's a question for you guys. And actually, one of my coworkers asked me this, and we kind of spent a good like ten minutes discussing this via chat <laughs> at work today. Oh, okay. But the Tuscan Raiders, like, do you think that's a mask they're wearing, or is that their actual face? I th- I think it's a mask. Yeah, I, that's what I'm yeah, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a master worm, but like, honestly, we haven't really seen any, um, we haven't seen any, um, like I'm trying to think. Most we've ever had with the Tuscan Raiders, which I thought was cool. I really liked how they delved more into the Tuscan Raiders because it, it it's the people that they keep referencing, but we never really learned much about them until now. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And what, what, I was, what I was trying to say is I don't think we've ever seen a Tuscan Raider without their uh, mask on. Um, you know, I, I think they do that so that way they can, like, breathe uh, and maybe, you know, keep the sun off of them all the time. Well, keep moisture in. Potentially, yeah. yeah. That, that's, why, that's why it was funny because, like, I finished Dune – and then I watched this episode and just like my whole thoughts were all like Dune oriented where I was like, yeah. that looks like a mask that would like keep them covered. And maybe it's only when they're like in caves or in the safety of their tents that they take it off, you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, why are they traveling during the day? Like they would know better than that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. You know, emergency like, situation. Yeah. You know, they got to fight a well, big baddie a big mom. well since we're doing non-spoilery uh we we got a uh we got a facebook message on uh, uh on the mandalorian from one of our listeners from luke luke m he says the ability this show has to single-handedly carry the entire star wars franchise on its backs 
uh, is awe-inspiring. It truly is. <laughs> it truly is. It is so, yes. Because um, So last week I talked about how I set up like a little movie night. And yeah, like we had snacks. We had popcorn. Nice. Like we had the lights off. And like we were just like having a movie night to watch chapter nine the marshal and i was just like yeah so it was so fun to do that just like be so excited for it so we think about the mandalorian we think about dave filoni and how involved he is in it and i could just imagine what he would have done with seven eight nine. Oh yeah oh yeah episode seven eight nine yeah. Well, hey, real quick, Luke, I just want to say thanks for uh, sending that out to us. Um, really appreciate you doing that. Uh, but before we jump into spoilers, um, you know, uh, we've, we've seen uh, Chapter 9 of The Mandalorian, and there's still, you know, a lot we don't know about this upcoming season. But just before the premiere, Pedro Pascal went on Good Morning America to talk about the upcoming season. Uh, and he doesn't really give any uh, spoilers. So so let's listen to this clip uh, before we get into the spoiler talk. Here we go. Pedro Pascal on Good Morning America. Your face until the final episode last year. You're going to see more of it this year? Um, you know, I can't remember. Whenever I, oh. <laughs> whenever I get... Whenever I can ask questions like this, I, it, 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 there's some interesting programming that occurs where all of a sudden I just see, you know, snow. <laughs> you can go for I can't hear you. That's a, that's a good one too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Oh, I I can't. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't get that question. We don't have much time. You better. You're going to have to ask me the next one. So, what can you share with us about season two? You know, I I, I will say that um, uh, reading the first episode of the second season, I was taken aback in a really good way at. Um, at how impressive the first episode read and already with the evidence of the first season, knowing that they were able to achieve everything that they set out to and, and, and seeing this incredibly ostentatious first episode with um, the, 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 the story of an action sequence and the way that it read on a page and just that feeling that, my my gosh they're 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 going to achieve this visual experience like this isn't just um let's just describe it as best as we can and see what we end up achieving with it it it, it is you know undoubtedly going to be achieved and and i kind of couldn't believe that and i understood oh so this is how they this is how they keep it up with the second season this is how they you know don't disappoint Never disappoint. So I'm not saying anything, but I'm telling you that's really good things. Well done. Well, you don't. All right. So, is it time to talk spoilers now? Okay. So, if you haven't watched Chapter Nine of The Mandalorian, now's the time to pause the podcast, go and watch it, and then come back and let's talk spoilers. So, yes, I say let's do it. All right. Yes. Uh, oh man. So where do we start? Like, do we just, do we start talking Boba Fett right now, or do we go I in think order? We might explode <laughs> if we don't start talking Boba Fett. Um, right. Yes. Go. Okay. All right. Obviously, Tamara Morrison at the very end is Boba Fett. Does anybody disagree with that? Okay. I, I can't believe people were talking about it online and questioning it no it's boba fett the whole episode was about his armor 
I know. Oh my gosh. And then he got the end. I did you guys notice how the marshal looked so awkward in his arm? Oh yeah. I loved that. Can I just (laughs) I loved that. It was like this is definitely not a Mandalorian. And like, you know, you would I wouldn't have noticed any different if I hadn't spent like a whole season with a Mandalorian, you know, and like and so like seeing the marshal dread like wearing the armor, I was like, it yeah. Fit. like it doesn't fit and i loved that aspect of the episode oh yeah 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 it it was crazy like you know when when uh at the the, the opening scene that we're talking about batman-esque when uh when he's watching the gamorians fight and all that and they say you know the mandalorian on tatooine like as soon as they said that i was like all right we're going there already in season two i thought maybe we would like you know get like a couple episodes in before we do that but no all right let's let's, let's talk about fat let's talk about fat let's talk boba fat like within the first five minutes of the very first episode of season two let's do it and um and so here we are we're heading to the tatooine and yeah like it, it took me a, it took me a little while, like because as soon as uh, the marshal shows up in Boba Fett's armor in the doorway, like I had to like let my eyes adjust or something because of the the light behind uh, that that kind of you know uh, framed the the marshal. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. like I had to like look at it for a second. I'm like that that looks like Boba Fett's armor, but 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 what is it really Boba Fett's armor? Because it, yeah, you're right, Jekka. It looks so strange on him, and and I wasn't sure. If that was because it wasn't Boba Fett's armor, or if it was because the guy was so skinny and it just wasn't like made to fit him, uh, which you know, having seen the episode two or three times now, I, I go with the latter. It's it's it was Boba Fett's armor undoubtedly, and the guy was just weird looking in it. Well, he also didn't know how to wear it. Well, yeah, he learned how to use it, but he didn't know how to wear it. Well, yeah, you know, one thing I did notice is uh, if you look at uh, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, uh, you can't see his chin poking out uh, of the bottom, but you could see the marshal's chin poking out, and he, you know, oh, just... can. I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, I was just saying, yeah, you can. I just realized that. Yeah, and so, so, so you're right. He didn't know how to wear it properly, um, so, so it, it, it was just, it was very noticeable. Um, and 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 the biggest question I honestly have from all this is, so so obviously uh, the Mandalorian Din Djarin wants the armor because I guess if you're not a Mandalorian you can't be wearing the armor, and uh, you know there's a lot of back and forth forever on if Jango Fett slash Boba Fett is in fact a Mandalorian or if he's just wearing the armor, and uh, and honestly. I think the way the canon is leaning right now is that Boba Fett is not truly a Mandalorian. And so so does that mean... the armor? Yeah, or something like that. Well, well, Boba Fett got his armor from Jango Fett after his dad died. Okay, so... So, so, But but, but, but the thing I'm going to is, is is Jango Fett... I'm sorry, is Boba Fett going to be, like, fighting... The Mandalorian did Dijon, or are they going to be button heads, or like what's going on here? Okay, so here's my take on it: Jango Fett is a Mandalorian. Well, <laughs> okay, hold on, okay, hold on. Okay. let me finish my piece. Okay, so Jango Fett is a Mandalorian, but he was never part of the Death Watch. Well, you don't have to be a part of the Death Watch yeah. to be a Mandalorian. Okay, that's, that's just their clan. Can I finish? Yes, I will shut up. <laughs> 
And so the Mandalorians that we have at this point in time are basically the remnants of the Death Watch. And that's mm-hmm. all that's really left that's holding on to their Mandalorian roots that we're seeing. Well, no, there's more than that. Well, the rest of the people would be scattered, but they're not going to be wearing the armor. It's the Death Watch that is clinging to the armor and the ritual. And this is the way. Uh... Is it though? Like that, I will say, this is what I'm most excited for from season two. I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but hey, we can jump around. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. Like, I want to know about this whole purge and the whole thing about taking off the helmet. Because that was the big thing. Like, when the marshal walks in and he sits down and removes his helmet, it was just like, oh my gosh, he is not mandalorian he is just wearing mandalorian armor and and so that was like my biggest thing again is i was like where is this whole stipulation about removing the helmet like i i'm hoping that we learn more about that herd that was mentioned and how mandalorians were scattered across the galaxy you know like i just i want to i hope we I like if if we don't find out in season two i hope it at least gets answered throughout the course of the show you know? And I, I think just like set that up again as kind of like a reminder of like how much the Mandalorian like culture it is like scattered. Kind of so part that we, so something we really have to remember is that Dave Filoni is running this. He is the one really carrying the story here, and he is going to leave many things open to interpretation. But he is specifically pushing fans to ask questions he is going to answer. Yes, and I'm okay with it. Like, I love it when creators leave things open-ended. It's just I do want enough answers so I can kind of be confident in my speculations, you know, that kind of Yeah. But yeah, so no, that is a good reminder that Dave Filoni's in charge he knows what he's doing. Well, Dave and John Favreau. And John Favreau, yes. They, they both know what they're doing. As Austin likes to say, they're pretty much like George Lucas's prodigy, prodigies. His Padawans. Padawans, yeah. They're his yes. Padawans. They're, they're becoming masters. So. All right, all right. So, so, so check us out. Check us out. All right. And on July 2nd, 2019, the official official Star Wars accounts on Instagram and Twitter shared a video about Mandalorian helmets. And the uh, baked-in text specifically calls Boba Fett a non-Mandalorian. So this confirms, again, in the current canon that Boba Fett wears Mandalorian armor but is not a Mandalorian. Interesting. So that was that that was on the official Star Wars Instagram and official Twitter thing. Okay. So a big thing here though is that the Death Watch has morphed into this cult that this is the way and are very ritualistic. Well, we'll see. Well, it, it, it's very ritual. You can't take off right. your helmet, or you have not. That's that's cult. Okay, fine, just- <laughs> I guess. I guess all I want to know is is I guess originally when I was thinking, because you know, there have been rumors of Boba Fett popping up in in 
the Mandalorian season two. And in that one episode, uh, I think it's episode seven on uh, uh, when they're on Tatooine in season one, you can hear uh, the Boba Fett, you know, sound effects coming up in in the scene when uh, the lady uh, that was shot was just laying there. So so they've been hinting at Boba Fett. So this whole time I've been thinking like, you know, would Boba Fett be a ally of the Mandalorian? Like maybe like Boba Fett would be helping uh, Din Djarin, you know, maybe find the baby Yoda species thing. Because I mean, let's be honest, Boba Fett knows Jedi's. I mean, he, yeah. he's he's one of the few big characters in 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 the Mandalorian that would probably that's probably seen a Jedi. Like right now, I think. Only two people have seen Jedi before. That'd probably be Moff Gideon and Boba Fett. Um, and would so, he help him or would he impede him? Well, well, that, that that's what I'm trying. That's what I've been wondering. But but this whole time I've been thinking that he would help him. But this whole like you know, uh, Din Djarin saying nobody can wear the Mandalorian armor except for a, a real Mandalorian. And then the fact that, you know, we just read, like, currently in canon, Boba Fett is not considered a real Mandalorian. That that automatically puts the two kind of, you know, butting heads. Because, mm, yeah. because I mean, at the, at the very end, when we see Boba Fett there with the, uh, the gaffy stick and he's all bald, you know, um, you know, I'm assuming he's trying to get his armor back. You know, that's that's what my first thoughts were. Either either that, <laughs> either that, or you know, I did I did see online and on on Rebel Force Radio, somebody had a great theory that maybe, uh, maybe that Boba Fett we see at the end is not actually going after his armor. Maybe maybe he has one of those fob trackers and is going after Baby Yoda because he well, is he a is bounty a hunter. Yeah. So or, anyway. or maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he would like to join the Mandalorian. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so, 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 in in what way are they going to use Boba Fett here, people? Which way? Which way are they use? Is Boba Fett going to be a good guy or a bad guy? Well, I think Austin's lost it. <laughs> so, one of the theories that I really love off the hooks <laughs> is that Boba Fett has been hiding among the Sand People. And so you're talking about, is it a mask? And was Boba Fett actually also part of the raid on the dragon? Oh, yeah. Oh, like Boba Fett was there the whole time. Yes. He was hoping maybe he could get his armor back. Or Marshall would get killed and he would like, you you know, loot the body kind of thing. Or as Austin was saying, maybe he has a fob for baby Yoda. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, who knows? And, yeah, and and so maybe he's really watching Mando and trying to like gauge things. Yeah, you know, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, they brought Tamara Morrison back. I mean, he is Jango Fett. He is all of the clones, and here he is, undoubtedly as you know the armorless Boba Fett at the end of the at the end of the episode. I want to see him uh, a lot if we can. <laughs> like I want him. I want. I want him to be on the level of grief, Karga, Cara Dune, because you know we're going to see them uh, a lot during this uh, season. Just not this first episode, apparently. But 
I, I want Boba Fett as often as I see Cara Dune and Grief. Garden. Here's what I would love to see is I would love to see Boba Fett in the background stalking them like the whole scene. No. That would be amazing. No, I wouldn't. That'd be terrible. I'm kind of on Amanda's side here. What? I think that would just be really awesome. And then you can go <gasps> forward in season three. But he's kind of like floating <gasps> in the background. No. Like, Okay. Them, not coming <laughs> what you're telling me is they're just going to tease us every episode for an entire season, and then we're going to be like, all right, wait an entire year till we make it, and then we'll show you both. I don't think okay, so. They, they have done that with Baby Yoda's name. <laughs> no, no one cares about Baby Yoda's name. Right. But they can't right. We've got Baby Yoda. We don't need the Baby Yoda name. Yeah. But you can't tease. You can't tease sure. Boba Fett like that nonstop. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yeah. I'm vetoing both of your ideas because I think they're <laughs> stupid, and I need my I need some Boba Fett closure. All right. People have been waiting for Boba Fett closure. For a very, yeah. very long time. Yeah, how, how they long? could be willing to wait a little bit longer for uh, closure. And can I just say, like, when there was all those rumors going around where people were like, Boba Fett survived, Boba Fett survived. I was like, no, he couldn't survive the Starlack pit. And then this episode shows Din Din Jar getting swallowed by a crate dragon and then escaping. And I was like, oh, that's how Boba Fett could have gotten out. Yes. Like, okay, I could see how he lived. <laughs> Actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I almost think that maybe they're like kind of prepping slash uh, getting us in the mind frame that somebody could be like swallowed whole and then get out of it in some way. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, I mean yeah, that crap. Oh, go for, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say, yeah, because uh, Din Din Jar, he uh, like used electricity to force the crate Dragon up back up out of the ground, which, by the way, as a biologist that loves animals, I loved how they portrayed the crate dragon like a sand shark. I, my little sharky love. Oh, was, yeah. It, it, I was going off the hooks. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Anyway, Yeah, that crate dragon was cool. cool. I mean, like, what was it spitting up? Like, bile? Was it stomach acid? So, oh, I'm getting so off track. Okay, one thing at a time. <laughs> <That's> a <laughs> thing. Um, so, yeah, like, when he uses his electricity to get out... And then blows up the ban- the poor Bantha with all the detonators on it. I was yeah. like, oh, that's probably some way. That's probably how Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit. He probably had a means to like electrocute his way out. But in but some, you know, maybe he just like got. I, I don't know. Like, and that is something that I like. I want to know. You know, it'd be cool to see. Like, how did he escape the Sarlacc pit? You know, but um, so there's that. Yes, I think I finished my thought. Okay, now the Creek Dragon. <laughs> yeah, was it bile or stomach acid? What, did, what was it throwing yeah, up? So it's an acid spray. Um, I it's so funny because watching this episode was kind of like an like a throwback to my childhood. I I don't remember when exactly it was, but it was either around when George Lucas was like redoing um four, five, and six with like the extended scenes in them. Or if it was like the start, like Phantom Menace, but there was this Star Wars book that came out and I'm from a small town. So like we had the bookmobile that would come and I checked it out all the time from the bookmobile. And it was like a, a, a 
like a guide to the creatures of the Star Wars universe. And for Tatooine, it had this whole section on crate dragons. Yeah. And like that whole scene with the the cave that this crate dragons in when it's coming out, like, and this the stand people standing there facing it, like that, like was kind of from that book and it like it was kind of unnerving to me i was like oh my gosh this is like right from this book i used to read a long long time ago but it's i do remember from the book that it said that the crate dragons they can spray out like this acid spray and it's like it's it's lethal like it melts you instantly but then and at the very end when the sand people are going through and they're like cutting up the crate dragon and one of them finds this big pearl the pearl the pearl that is like it's pretty much like a gizzard stone in a way yeah and and the crate and the sand people they always want to take down the crate dragons for those pearls because they're just like they're they're gems like it's yeah kind of thing and they can easily yeah. trade it for whatever they want so so it was just so weird watching this episode for like the whole parts with the crate dragon because i was like oh my gosh this is like from that book i used to read all the time as i was a child yes. and i tried so hard to find the title but i just like like just i was trying so hard and i just was like nothing none of the titles coming up from like all of my methods of searching for it wasn't triggering my memory of the front cover and so i was like oh i don't know what it was but it was a book i checked out a lot and i read it a lot because i thought it was so cool and oh yeah. yeah and the crate dragon was my absolute favorite part of the book so i was really excited when they were like crate dragon i was like oh yeah I was very excited about that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's bigger than I thought it would be. Um, you know, in Star Wars Episode Four, we see the the skeletal remains of a crate dragon uh, as C three PO walks past one, mm-hmm. and it looks to be like maybe a third of the size of the one that we see in the Mandalorian. So, like the one in the Mandalorian has got to be like a full adult one, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, I mean, and that it was like that for generations they've been like feeding it to keep it docile so yeah. like yeah yeah and that and that, that dragon and that, that that first scene in which they're outside the cave door and they and they try to feed it a banther but it goes after the sand person <laughs> no oh and, my word that was hilarious and talking about facial expressions without actual facial expressions like those sand people when they see their buddy get in, like you could just see the shock on their faces, even though they're in masks. Like you could just see them, like, oh my god, <laughs> Billy got yes. in, you know, or whatever. Yeah, like, people names are. Oh man, yeah, crazy. You know, I, I do. I, the, the the one thing that I thought was a little weird that I, you know, didn't it didn't really bother me that much. I just thought it stood out a little bit. Was the uh, uh, the Tuscan Raiders had what were the, like crossbow gun thingies? Oh, um, yeah. What what are those called? The ballista. Oh, at least what I know them as. Yeah, the yeah. I've never seen the bowcaster. No, they're, they're shooting the the. No, yeah. like a ballista is an actual thing. I I look. Yeah, okay, no, I, I I know a ballista is a real thing. I was there's, just. There's, do you know what we're talking about? I'm not remembering very clearly. I will admit that. How are you not remembering that? The Tuscan Raiders had giant bow and arrow things that were shooting darts with ropes into the. Uh, Okay, I remember the darts with ropes. I don't remember. Yeah, that's a ballista. Uh, ballista. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, it, I've never seen like a, an ancient kind of weapon like that in. Um, it's definitely in, like, in Star I've Wars. It, yeah, I've seen it. Like it's in Dragonheart. Going back to that movie, uh, but, but, it, but it's it, it's these ancient weapons that they're, they're fun to make when you're. Go- doing physics and stuff yeah. well it, it, it seems a little out of place for me i mean it doesn't bother me too much but like it didn't seem very star warsy well uh, it's the tuscan raiders yeah no, I, you, I i can see what you mean austin because it is very like not like it, it is a very uh what's the word it's it's medieval yeah it's very medieval which i thought was kind of cool about going back to this episode's like overall feel like it was a very western episode with like that flair of medieval ness to it because they're like there's a small town being terrorized by a beast and you know being tatooine they have to deal with the sand people and then they join forces to take on this bigger threat and it's a dragon like they're going after a dragon and like when i saw those weapons that the sand people put up i was like oh yeah ballista okay yeah that's what that's the ideal weapon for taking down a dragon and I guess I just didn't think any more of it. Oh. <laughs> I, I, because I, I tend to lean more towards fantasy than sci-fi style. So when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, you would want to use that to take down a dragon. That makes sense. Like, that's actually, kind that, of my thought, you know? Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, maybe that's why they're going for, for that look, because it's how you take out a dragon in, you know, medieval stories. I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Because um, usually, because like the idea behind them is, you shoot them, and even if it isn't like a lethal piercing, at least it gets lodged in the dragon, and then the ropes allow you to tie it. So you can like either use a bunch of people's weights to drag it down, or you could tie it to like a rock or a tree or something or a stake, and that helps bring the dragon down. So it was part of the montage of the preparations. That's why I didn't really focus in too much on it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're totally ballistas. So yeah, you guys were just, you said crossbow and it made me think wow. of Chewbacca and his bow caster. Yeah, that was my first thought. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> so we are. So we got. We got. We got. Uh, we got it running in the background. The episode on our computer. We're watching the. Um, uh, it just spit its goo all the, over the, the beginning wow. part of the fight against yeah. the great dragon. So so I mean, this thing's got to be like related to a. Uh, uh, a a a sarlacc pit or something? No, it ate the sarlacc. It yeah, the yeah. It he's living in an old sarlacc pit because it ate the sarlacc. What sarlacc pit is on its side? Shouldn't it be? I don't you, know. Hey, don't judge the sarlaccs. Like they want to build their homes however they want. <laughs> they want the sand pit. They can have a sand pit if they want it on the base of a mountain. They can have there. They yeah. can have a volcano. Like. And it could have been that the pit was at the top of the mountain. That could have been its thinking uh, its cloaca. If, if the pit's at the top of the mountain, that means there's other holes. The uh, the the uh, it might be where, where the, it defecates. It might yeah. be where the great dragon dug in to get it. Uh, oh, from underneath? Yeah, Ooh, maybe that is true. It could have dug in from behind and eaten it from below. Maybe that's how Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit. Started getting like <laughs> Great Dragon, and Bulba's like, "Oh, I'm out," and he yes. got out. 
you know, uh, you know, one thing that was so cool is to actually watch, um, you know, Boba Fett f- armor flying around as Din Djarin's flying around too. And if we do see a Din Djarin versus Boba Fett battle, uh, the thought of them flying around and going at it and going crazy, like, is blowing my mind. <laughs> Just thinking about how cool that would look. So, I don't know. I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think where, where is this season still taking us? Obviously it's taken us to try to find baby Yoda people, uh, which well, actually, which by the way, we didn't get as much baby Yoda, uh, in this. It wasn't baby Yoda centric. And that is why literally I was on Facebook just a few minutes ago and there was an ad from Star Wars of your favorite the child moments and it was all cute a cute montage of baby yoda <laughs> you know i i oh go on amanda no it's okay I, I was gonna say i was personally okay with that um so i'm i'm i i'm a big fan of storytelling and for me i just like because it was funny because yeah we, i was sitting there i was like oh is baby yoda gonna use the force to help what's he gonna do and he didn't do anything. And I kind of like that because it kind of recentered it back on uh, Jin. Like, or Jin. I, like, it recentered back on him and saying, like, this is his story. He is tasked to protect the child and take him back to his people. But yeah. it's not about the child. It's about him and his journey. And so I kind of liked that after everything that happened in season one, where you're like finding all this stuff about baby Yoda. And then it like, kind of, I felt like it just recentered back on him. Yeah. So I did a little it, bit. And, and that's what I really liked about. It. So I was like, okay with baby Yoda being more of like tagging along. Although it was funny. Cause the first time I watched it, I was like, why didn't he leave baby Yoda with the one lady? Like he did previously, but instead take it yeah. with him. And then I realized, Oh, he knows what the baby's capable of he knows that he could be a valuable help if he gets in a bind. So he sure. has to take the baby with him because he's like, if there's ever any trouble, the child can help him. But in yeah. this episode, he was never, like, he wasn't putting the child in any danger at all. Like, he was keeping him, like, not putting him in danger. So I kind of like that because he, like, no, he's starting to understand uh, the baby Yoda's limits. Like what, ha- you know, because every time Baby Yoda like uses the force like a lot to stop something huge, he, you know, it drains him. And so I like that, that he's like, okay, you are good, but you are like the last resort kind of thing. So I'll take you with me just in case, but I'm not going to like, you know, put you in the middle of the battle. I'm going to keep you out of harm's way as long as possible. So I'm going to disagree with keeping him out of the middle of the battle based off the first five minutes we had of the show. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Okay, so he's just keeping Baby Yoda with him at all times. That's what he's doing now. He's not leaving with anybody. Baby Yoda's with him. But we do need to recenter it on Din because what's going to happen when he hands off the baby? Exactly, yeah. Well, I think when he hands off the baby, it's pretty much the end of the entire series. And that's why they have to refocus it, because if they don't want it to be the end of the series, we need to focus on Din. I don't know. I don't know. You know, one thing I thought was cool, and uh, this will probably be my my last thought, unless there's something else you guys want to talk about, is, you know, all throughout this, 
you know, series, you know, season one and even even uh, this first episode, uh, we've met a lot of characters, and they and they say something along the lines of, uh, "I've never met a I've never met a Mandalorian, but I've heard the stories." And then, what does Din Djarin do in this episode? He adds to the entire legacy of the Mandalorians. I mean, he had so many witnesses that can now say, I watched a Mandalorian get swallowed by a crate dragon and blow it up from the inside, and he walked away without a scratch. I mean, that... That is a legend that will live on for generations. That is so freaking cool. So, anyways, uh, any any last thoughts or anything else that you guys want to talk about Mandalorian-wise? Nope. Um, I'll just say my absolute, absolute favorite scene is when he greets the, like, sand people's dogs. <laughs> then he starts barking at them and they're kind of like coming closer and then he kneels down and he starts like rubbing it and the doggy's just so happy i love that yeah scene. yeah all right well i think uh it's time to wrap things up but i really want to see a lot of boba fett in season two so i hope it's not just teams throughout the entire season. So be so much fun. Oh, uh, it'd be terrible. So but. much fun. Anyways, hey folks, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Please hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you find us. Hey, next week. We are going to be talking V for Vendetta. That's right, because it's the 5th of November coming up. V for Vendetta. So make sure to watch that movie and be prepared to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on it at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. And you just might be featured on the upcoming show. You can also email us your thoughts at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Search Super Nerd Podcast and give us a like, give us a share, and tell a friend about us. But from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. He's a bounty hunting man, flying on a slave one. He's going after hand, but no, he ain't a brave one, cause you know he's just in it for the loot. He's got a Mandalorian suit. Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. He's kinda blue and gray, like a one man civil war. And as long as he gets paid, he'll be knocking at your door. He doesn't care who you are or what you do. He'll be coming after you. Boba Fett, Boba Fett. Is he shy? Is he bold? Is he young? Is he old? Does anybody know how he thinks? He was only on the screen for a minute, so it seemed. But he's still a better character than Jar Jar Binks. He thinks that he's the cool one with a rocket on his backpack. Until one day, by accident, they threw him in the Sarlacc. And by accident, I mean just like what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett.
machine How can he be so mean His attitude just makes my heart sink Next to this mercenary punk Darth Vader's practically a monk But still I like him better Than Jar Jar Binks He's a bounty hunting man He's mentally unstable And he's doing what he can To get a handmade coffee table And you know, he don't even break a sweat He's as mean as they can get Boba Fett Boba Fett, 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 Bo